listening to 247 Real Talk. This is your host, Julian Perry. On this episode, I have the pleasure of having my guest as Mr. Christopher Borman. And this episode is all about his one-liner that says, I believe that Jesus is the best therapist there is. He created us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He loves us and he charges zero dollars per hour. We'll be right back at Christopher. Christopher, good evening. Welcome to the show. I know it's late. It's 11 p.m. Eastern Standard in New York City. How are you? Oh, very well, Julian. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being a guest on the show this evening. So we're going to jump right into it, as always. Uh, and I'll read your statement again here. Your, your one-liner that's uh, the catalyst for this whole discussion. I believe that Jesus is the best therapist there is. He created us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He loves us, and he charges $0 per hour. Now, I know because I am a man of faith myself that getting to that one-liner there's a story behind it. There's a journey. So why don't you start off by telling us who Christopher Broman is and how you, your, your journey prior to getting to that point. Sure. Well, I was born in Queens. Uh, my family moved to Connecticut when I was nine. And it wasn't until, ironically enough, moving to the suburbs of Connecticut that I started to experience problems with bullying. And to this day, I, I don't know why the kids picked me to beat up. Maybe because I was new. Maybe because it had something to do with the way I looked. Uh, you know, children can be pretty irrational sometimes. And so after about three years of pretty uh, severe bullying, as you can imagine, my grades started to suffer. was coming home from school with black and blue marks. And finally, my parents had had enough, and they made the decision, okay, we're pulling you out. Um, we're going to put you in into a private school. And one of uh, my classmates had, had transferred to this local private Christian school, and um, they had heard good things about it. I, I transferred there starting in the eighth grade, and that was where I was presented with the gospel for the first time. Now, I had attended Sunday school as a kid, as, as most children do, later on attending church services with my parents, because that's what you do on Sunday. And like most kids my age, I never really paid all that much attention to it. What was different about my experience in eighth grade was that these teachers and even these fellow students were, were living out the gospel. Jesus was a way of life for them. This wasn't something that they did on Sunday morning. This was something that they lived all the way through. And my science teacher, Mr. Swenson, uh, took the time to, to answer all my questions about God and, and the Bible. Because naturally, since I wasn't paying very much attention in Sunday school all those years, I, I, I had lots of questions when I finally did start to pay attention. And he eventually led me to Christ. And that was when I was 13 years old. 
And, uh, you know, over the course of time, I, I my faith kind of ebbed and flowed as, as most uh, people do in and out of obedience. And like most grew up, went to college, actually went to a Christian college, but still never really got that deep in, into the faith. Got my degree, uh, went on to get my MBA, worked in the corporate world for 20 years in financial services, IT. Uh, but recently, as you get a little older, your priorities start to change, your values start to change. Um, I got married to a wonderful Christian woman who really lived out her faith at a time when I was not living mine out. I was paying lip service. I considered myself a Christian. But the Bible says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. And I can honestly say, in, in hindsight, that is what happened with me. This, this wonderful wife of mine inspired me to start taking my faith seriously again. Now, over the years, I had um, developed the talent and an interest in public speaking. And now I finally decided I'd like to actually do something with this public speaking thing, something more than just attending Toastmasters meetings and, and talking about you know, my favorite food or something. I, I'd like to use this talent that I think God gave me and use it to serve him. So I'm between opportunities at the moment. So I'm, I'm trying to build a, a second career as a, a Christian speaker. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> that's a good uh, sort of opening uh, summary of, of who you are and, and where you are, you know, where you are at this time. But we're going to go into some real talk. So we're going to talk a little bit deeper about faith and the journey and the questions, because I know for a fact, instead of man of faith myself, that it is a journey. It's a journey to get where we are. It's a journey to stay where we are. And it's a journey to get further than where we are in our relationship you know, with Christ. So let's use what's going on in the world today as, as your first example. I'm not sure if you've lost anyone close to you, know, to you to the virus. I'm not sure if you've prayed for people who've had the, the, the coronavirus and you still lost them. And what I'm getting at here is just one of several questions and ways that I'm going to you know, see how you, you deal with the challenges of life that sometimes in some ways really test your relationship with God, really test, you know, and I'm saying this from the perspective of you know, personal, you know, personal experience too, of knowing that, you know, we, we all belong to Christ. But when you, you, know, you pray for someone in, in sincerity, someone who may be suffering, and then you lose them to something like the pandemic, have you gone through that? And, and what was your reaction? Well, I, I have not lost anyone uh, to the virus. Uh, although I've, I've had it. Um, my, my brother had it. Uh, he had it more severe than I did. 
I, there's a lot of friends of mine, acquaintances who have come down with it. And, and yes, I definitely have prayed for them. Uh, and there, yeah, sure, there have been instances where I have prayed for things for an outcome that I wanted and I did not get it. For example, um, there was a time um, a couple years back where I was being bullied at work. As we know, bullying doesn't end when school ends. It, it follows you. And there were some coworkers who were really giving me a hard time. They were very adept at making me feel small. And they were so clever. They, they did it in such a way that nothing was actionable. And that meaning there was really nothing that I could go to human resources with that was, that was a clear violation. You know, snarky comments, um, refusing to even be in the room with me during a meeting I had scheduled, instead choosing to call in from their desk, um, raising their voice to me, openly questioning my skill, things like that. And it was a very tough period in my life, and probably because of that reason, my prayer life had never been stronger until that point, because I knew I needed help, that I could not get through this on my own, not without doing something incredibly stupid, flying off the handle and cursing somebody out. And I prayed for the end to the situation, and the end was I got laid off. Okay. And things, you know, so, and things just kind of seems to go back from bad to worse. And you, you want to tell God, uh, you know, this is not exactly what I had in mind. So that is kind of what I'm getting at, and that's a good uh, uh, analogy. It's not the, it's not the same. Um, I guess, you know, to the extent of, of, you know, life versus death, but it is, it's sort of what I was getting at in the sense that, and what I'm trying to get, and again, I'll reiterate the fact that I'm a man of faith. I am, you know, someone who devotes time to prayer. I am very connected to service in my church and into, you know, a service that serve that serves the people who worship, etc. Um, I'm getting to the point that, we we are in a time where there's been so much death around us. Um, over five hundred thousand people lost to just the coronavirus alone. Um, inter I've interacted with different people who are struggling with faith. People who have lost several members in their families. You know, some of them were elderly. Some of them were not. Um, even in my own church, we have lost. You know. Uh, members of the church. And so, you know, one of the challenges you come across when you struggle with people who either are struggling with their faith or people who do not believe at all is they will challenge you to, with these, with these questions. Um, and for example, this scenario you just gave where here you were doing your job and, and other human beings chose to 
treats you less than. And that what I've and I'm and let me digress for just a second and say I find that people who do that, the issue is never you. The issue is usually them. Whether it's in an insecurity, whether it's it's something about them that they can't, they haven't reached a level of being open and accepting of everyone else as human beings. They have not reached a level of understanding that they're not the judge, they're not the jury. But when the outcome is everyone who is looking at your position who has who has not understood the depth of our uh, of of our god would look at you and say hey how did you win you lost your job and you haven't written the next chapter yet obviously because you said you're in between but i would believe with all of who i am and all of my experience with my relationship with God that when he closes that door if we are faithful enough to really let go and let God your next chapter your next door will be not only greater but it will be something that you could not even believe would have occurred and this is something I've experienced in my life multiple times what is your what are your thoughts as to what comes next? I agree. Uh, I think what comes next can be greater if we respond correctly. It's that last part that I have trouble with. Because one of my many bad habits is holding on to resentment. And it's something that God has been slowly, very slowly, walking me through that. And as I stay in close contact with him through prayer and reading the word, slowly but surely, my my thoughts, my behavior begin to change. Um, and, and yes, as you indicated, you know, so much death over the last year, so much anger and, and so much fear on top of it all. And, and yeah, I, I don't have an explanation. I don't have all the answers. I, I have actually very, very few answers. And I don't know if this was something that I randomly thought of. More likely, I heard it from someone else, some other pastor. But I, uh, the only thing that I can point to is the cross, where a, a absolutely perfect being God came down in human form who had enjoyed heaven for eternity years beforehand, lived life as, as a human in, in the first century, which is a quality of life that you know, I, I much prefer 21st century America. Three-year ministry where he was ridiculed, falsely accused, was tortured and then executed, having done absolutely nothing wrong. And, you know, talk about anxiety. You know, even Jesus experienced anxiety. He was sweating drops of blood, and, and one of his final prayers was, Father, if, if there's a plan B other than me going to the cross, let, let's go with that. 
but nevertheless, not my will, but yours. And that's why I think God is one of the best therapists, is the best therapist there is, as I said in my one-liner, because he can identify with any human suffering that we go through, because he's been there. He went through that. And if we are to believe what, what the word says, he, he created us. He knows us inside and out. The, the Bible says that every hair on our head is numbered. And, and so looking at the cross, someone who was willing to go through that, and he did it for a reason. It was to pay the price for my sins. The, my, my, you know, resentful, angry thoughts, all of, all the actions that I committed that were, um, you know, repugnant to him, Jesus paid the price for it. So in order to buy my ticket into heaven, something I could never do by myself. So and I so think, in light of all that, go ahead. You know, can God be trusted? And that's the only thing that I can point to. That, that's what keeps me going, is the cross. And that allows me to say, okay, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't see how good is going to come out of this. But I look at the cross, and I see what Jesus went through on my behalf. And that is what convinces me that he can be trusted, even if I don't get it. Well, there's, there's a, and, and yes, I agree and I think there's a second part to it that it, I, I, I'm not sure that if you've conquered it yet, but I'm in that process. I had recently, I had a few episodes here on this podcast. One was David Stone was about anxiety. Now I listened to it. Right. One was Jim was Case, um, Fear is a Choice. And they were very um, inspirational, therapeutic for me because for some reason, one of those episodes, or both of them in, in, in um, collusion, gave me a new outlook in the sense that I think I've gone much further down the, the journey of not worrying, understanding that, um, and I, I, I tell people a lot of the times something that I have to you know, practice what I preach. And I think I mentioned it in one of those episodes, if you're going to pray, don't worry. If you're going to worry, don't pray. Worry, don't pray. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm learning, I'm getting, I think, even better recently because, you know, the funny thing is, and, and, and like I said, when I want to get out this episode for my audience is not for them, they may not necessarily change their position if they don't believe, you know, by hearing this episode, but at least give them some food for thought on some real life situations. If we are honest with ourselves, and, and when I'm being honest with myself, what, what Jim said and, and what David also said, you know, worrying is a wasted emotion, wasted amount of energy um, in the practical sense and in the spiritual sense. In the practical sense, it solves nothing. And you distract and take time away that you could, an energy that you could be using to come up with a logical solution. But more so, if we, if I, and I, I learned to use those conversations to, I, I would hope, 
build my relationship even stronger with God because as I said, since then, I've worried a lot less. And I've, I've done that for two reasons. Not because, not only because I believe and have faith, but because if you really look back at, your, at my, I look back at my life at least, I can't speak for everyone else, but there have been so many times when I worried and I'm here today, I made it through, I made it through successfully. And the most amazing thing is if you reflect on it, we had no control over what happened next. And in some cases, I had no clue how I made it through, but for the grace of God. So it is important for you know everyone to understand who believes and who chooses to believe. And, and even for those, I tell people all the time, you know, and I, I, I do have a few friends who don't believe and, and they're otherwise good human beings. And I say to them many times, you know, if you don't believe, you don't believe in God, you don't believe in the Bible. I, I could only tell you that if you follow the Bible, it's still a good book to live your life by, even if you choose not to believe. And that's, you know, my hope that they maybe open the pages and start to learn, you know, a little bit at a time that takes them down the journey and down the path that you've gone. And obviously I've gone and all those who are, are believers. And like you said, his charge is zero. So, you know, it's, 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 we spend, you know, we can also spend a ton of money paying human professionals to help us find solutions to things that God already has the answers to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, p- paying flawed human professionals. You know, I mean, that they might have, you know, degrees, you know, a, a whole pile of them, but at the end, they're, they're still human beings just like we are, and they're still every bit as flawed as, as the people that they're helping. Yes, Absolutely. Um, I want you to do to tell my audience something. I want you to think back, and this is putting you on the spot, but your current situation, yes, it's obviously got to be uh, another chapter in your life that's been a challenge and you've chosen you know, faith and, and prayer over worry. Um, but if you, if you reflected on your life, can you remember another time that was really life-altering or changing where you were faced a challenge and you made it through, you know, through prayer and the comfort of prayer and the miracle of, of, of God's touch. Can you, do you have any other stories to tell us? I don't know if I would call it life changing, but it is fairly fresh in my memory. Uh, it happened this past weekend. Uh, my wife is from the Philippines and she goes back to visit her family every two years. She was supposed to go last April. And telling me, I told her, yeah, don't worry about this COVID thing. This is all going to blow over in a couple of weeks. Yeah, not so much. So her trip got canceled uh, to the tune of an entire year. So uh, finally, she had the opportunity to go. And it was up to me to drive her to JFK. So we're, we're now someone from the suburbs of Connecticut uh, driving to JFK in New York City. 
And I had sprained my ankle about a month ago, and it still hadn't healed up yet. And it was my right ankle. You know, kind of need that to drive. And I was terrified. And on top of all that, there's all the fear of maybe my wife doesn't have this particular document or her passport or the COVID or the, the tracing app. And thinking about all of the things that could go wrong and almost being paralyzed. And I, I knew I needed help. And this is where I reached out to my community of friends, uh, brothers in Christ, and, and asked them to, to pray for me. Which, of course, they did. They were praying for me. They were praying for my wife. And, and Friday, drove out to JFK and made it to the hotel. No, no issue. She got on the plane, and I was able to. I, I drove back the next morning, and I, I remember when I got home, just just feeling thankful and, and thanking God because so many things could have gone wrong. And with the, my tendency to worry, sometimes that can even cause things to go wrong. And another one of my bad habits is, yeah, sometimes I play the victim. And sometimes part of me wants something to go wrong so that I could play the victim. But everything went just about as smooth as could possibly be. That is, and, that is and, great. Yeah. And, and my, my friend said, see, you know, you were worried about... Nothing. Everything turned out great. And the really sick, twisted part about that is part of me believes that it was my worrying that made everything turn out okay. Because human beings, we love patterns. And And you start to see a pattern. Okay, I worry about this. It turns out good. I worry about it. It turns out good. I worry about it. It turns out good. Well, okay. My worrying was a preemptive strike. It actually prevented the bad thing from happening. So I should keep worrying. Now, obviously, that doesn't make any sense when I, when I say it out loud. But in my thoughts, it's perfectly rational. So I, I still have a lot of work to do, and, and thankfully, God is still working on me. Yes, all of us who he's, he's always working on us because we're, in, you know, we're imperfect um, and we always need work. Um, one of the things I want to do, which is a little uh, different than what I normally do on this podcast, is as you were reflecting on and you were telling us your story, there's I have a personal story that I I never share with my audience, and um, I know this is your episode, but if you permit me to, um, please. I will say I will tell them the story. It's it's probably one of the most powerful in my life. Um, my parents lived in South America. I lived here, um, and my mother would come and she would spend a lot of time with me here, and then go back and forth. And I grew up Presbyterian in the Presbyterian church in South America. And she had a church that she would go to all the time. It's the first Presbyterian church in Jamaica, New York. 
And every so often, you know, I, I grew up in the church and I think in my late teens and my 20s, I sort of, you know, went in a different direction, not in a different direction, in a bad way, just, you know, hanging out yet young, partying, you know, late till Saturday night, couldn't get up to go to church on Sunday morning, no big deal, you know. And every every time she came, and I'm talking over a lot of years, maybe 20, 30 years, you know, and she would, and whatever Sunday she could, she would drag me with her to go to church, First Presbyterian Church in Jamaica, New York. And there came a time when she got older and she couldn't travel. And so, you know, I was doing my thing here and she was back there. In September, I think, of 2013, I woke up one day and I had this urge to go to church. It wasn't a, a Sunday. It was just one day during the week. And I just had this urge, like, you've got to go to church. And, I, you know, the urge came, was very strong, and I let it go. I let it pass. And every day that week, it kept gnawing at me, you've got to go to church. I think a week went by, a Sunday went by. And I decided I wasn't going to fight this urge anymore. It was just too strong. So I said to myself, the next Sunday, I'm, go I'm going to church. And I said, I had, you know, I want to write down three churches, the names of three churches. And on that Sunday, I'll go wherever my mind takes me. So I called my brother, who um, he goes to church every Sunday, but he has more than one church that he goes to. And he gave me two churches and two addresses, I think. And the third church I wrote was, First Presbyterian Church in Jamaica, New York. I really had no bias, you know, to any one of them. I just, I just had this desire, this deep, like, tug at me. I had to go to church. I got up that Sunday morning, I got dressed, and I got in my car and I drove, and I ended up with First Presbyterian Church in Jamaica, New York. It, it is the most powerful, and, and I've never really told this story to anyone, so you're also hearing it for the first time in this manner. The pastor there, um, I've, I, you know, I knew him from where my mother would take me there. His name is Rob, Patrick O'Connor, Reverend O'Connor. I'm not sure what happened at all, except that it, 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 there was a strange relationship immediately, like, like, whether he knew it or not, he was expecting me. And whether I knew it or not, you know, God sent me right there. And every Sunday after that, I went. Had no, you know, just got up and went. This was starting in September. Uh, I think it was around September 2013. And I couldn't tell, you know, it's just like you getting laid off. I, I, I just couldn't tell the purpose. I just, I just didn't know. It was just this impulse. I, it was too overwhelming. I couldn't resist it. And to make a long story short, in, and I'm leaving a lot of gaps here because there's just so many powerful things that happened in the relationship between myself and the church that I must say that you know, I am a member of that church today. Um, but in December of 23, 
13, my mother got sick. In March of 2014, she died. It was the first time in my life that an immediate family member that I'd experienced it. My grandparents, my maternal grandparents were dead before I was born. And and, um, my paternal grandparents, they died when I was really young. So this was the, my, this was, you know, as a grown man, this was probably the most traumatic thing I've ever been through in my life. And when it happened in the time that she was sick, I spent, I can't account for the hours and the, that I spent taking care of her, making, you know, just, just, and the, and the hours I spent praying and I just wanted her to live. I, you know, and, and, and I think that that's a normal human emotion, especially for the first time in your life. You're looking at her. She wasn't, I mean, she lived a full life and she told us that she was 86 years old, but I wanted her to live. Who doesn't want their parents to live to 150 if they can? And these people in this church, First Presbyterian Church in Jamaica, these people prayed for me, prayed with me. My pastor prayed for me, prayed with me. I had no, the, the, I, even looking back on it today, the strength that I had is unexplainable. So much so that I stood up at her funeral and I gave her eulogy. Standing strong. And I can honestly say to my audience, to everyone else, whatever your belief is, there's no judgment. I have to tell you that there's no way that I would have made it through that situation the way I did without God. And there's no way I would have made it had he not led me to that church and to those amazing members and people in that church. So... God works in mysterious ways because I couldn't explain what I just woke up one morning and it was like a force that was stronger than, you know, I had no control. It had to be done. And I truly believe to this day, God knew what I would need to get through that. It was time for her to go home and it was, he prepared me to be able to handle the situation. And that's my you know, sort of short version of the story. Uh, I, I thank you for sharing that. And that is, that is a powerful story. And I know your listeners are going to be blessed and helped by hearing it yes. because they can't argue with your experience. You mm-hmm. know, folks can make all kinds of intellectual arguments, but they can't argue against your experience. You can say, this is what I went through. Yes, and, there, and, and and I can tell you the other challenge, too, that um, what happens, and I, I can't remember if I mentioned this to my pastor or not, but over the last three years, I've lost several friends. Um, some of them, if I'm thinking, if I remember correctly, I don't think any of them were sudden. Um, some of them, they were all ill for different periods of time, but... One particular person comes to mind that has affected me deeply, and and she was my daughter's godmother. She's maybe, I don't know, three months, four months older than I am. She was the most jovial, most 
one, one, uh, you know, so kind, um, lit up every room that she walked into, gave, brought so much joy to so many people. And it's a struggle that I still, I still think about and pray about because I, I went to see her. She lived in Florida and I went to see her back in, I want to say, uh, Memorial Day weekend of 2014. And at that time she told me, she says, Julian, you know, my ankle is feeling kind of weak when I walk. And so they gave her this little brace to wear on her ankle. And we went out, we had fun. I spent the weekend, we had you know, a great time. And then, you know, as I kept talking to her, you know, she would tell me, oh, it's, you know, my whole leg is bothering me now. And it, it, it kept progressing. For three years, it kept progressing. Um, they tried, I think, bone marrow transplants. They couldn't figure out what this was for three, over three years. And then she came to New York. When I saw her in New York, she was in crutches. She could hardly walk. She came, I think, to you know several hospitals here together for the diagnosis. And she went back to Florida. And then I spoke to her one day, maybe the fourth year into it. And she said, they finally decided that I have ELS. She died right before Christmas, I think it was. Yes, this past Christmas. And she went from a jovial happy, healthy person and ALS robs you of your muscle tone and your, you know, so you just, you just, you sort of shrivel up and die. There's no other way to, you know, and it's been, it's been one of the most painful experiences for me because not only was she a very close friend, not only was she my daughter's godmother, but she was a beautiful person. And, 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 you know, you have to, and I prayed so hard for her. And it's a discussion that I think I would have with others who believe in Christ for a while. Not because I want to question God, because we just don't know. There's so much we don't know. We know very little of, of, of anything, like you said in the beginning. But I wanted somehow, on that, you know, I mean, every occasion I wanted the same thing. But on that occasion, I somehow wanted my prayers to be powerful enough to change, to, to heal, to help her heal or to heal her, or whatever, whatever, whatever could come of it, I just wanted her to get better. And it was, the, it was one of the most devastating things because I had lost two friends prior to that that I prayed for. And this one was really devastating. You know, we were very close. And to watch her go through life, and, I mean, at the end of her life, there's a still very young woman on a, on a, on a ventilator at home, you know, and her husband was amazing. He'd come home every day and lift her in his arms and take care of her. And, you know, she had a, a, a daytime nurse. I mean, it might be rambling a bit, but I'm rambling because this is a challenge that I think those of us who believe not only need to talk about, but but need to, to find our way with. And, and, and that's something I'm still from time to time praying to God to understand. I know it was his will. We pray for his will be, you know, to be done. Mm-hmm. But we understand how difficult it is, how difficult faith is. And I always tell people, I say, you know, it is a sacrifice you make. It is a challenge. It is a commitment you make because if faith was easy, everyone would have it. 
you know, it's easy to take the easy way out and believe what people want to believe that there's no, there's nothing beyond this life, which makes, which makes absolutely no sense. Cause I think I heard someone say, I'm not sure who it was. If there is no life after death, then this whole journey of life is a waste of time and useless. There has to be a, there was no purpose to this life unless there's something after this life. And that's, that's the basis I think that people should start with. But, you know, I, I share that story with you also because, you know, I, I want people to understand too that when things like that happen, when you pray for someone, you know, as, as, as hard as you can, as bad, and, and I go through the questions of, at times of whether I'm praying correctly or, you know, or, or, or sometimes I say, God, are you hearing me? You know, we need to understand that he, he created us. We didn't create him. And he knows everything about our lives and our purpose. And we're all going to leave this earth at our own time, at the time he is designated and in the way he is designated. And while to us as humans it may seem, um, you know, such a struggle, there's nothing that he didn't already know. And I'm and I'm and I, and I and I and I'm sorry that I you know I'm not sorry but I I know I brought up a, a morbid subject to 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 discuss and and I don't want my audience to say oh man this kind of brought me down no it's actually uplifting in a sense when you get the real understanding it empowers you in life to understand that you can get up and live and do everything that you dream of in life in in, in being a blessing to others with the understanding that your you know, God already decided, you, you know, his will is already decided in your life. And so you can live it in faith and not in fear. And it's, it's you know, it's, and then once you get to that place, I think you begin to come out of any, any darkness about it into a really beautiful place of appreciating each day, understanding that, we can have the best laid plans for tomorrow, but you know God decides tomorrow. So live today, live in peace, live in in in, in agreement with others, live helping someone, live serving someone, live making someone laugh, live, live making someone smile, live you know just doing for others. And whatever time you're here, it's more important to spend to have to have be able to count in your life that you had so many days of joy, which comes from service, I believe, rather than days of turmoil because you fought against believing in God. I agree. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough problems of its own. Right. I think somewhere in Ecclesiastes it says, it's better to go to a funeral than to a party because people will take this to heart. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. I mean, Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon, who was the wisest person who ever lived. And, and we live in, in a very broken world. And sometimes, you know, obviously, things, things happen that, we, that just break our hearts. And we pray and pray, and, and we don't get the result we want, but we, we do pray 
to God that thy will be done. And it's good to keep in mind that this world is not all there is. And it's broken. So be careful not to invest too much in this physical world, this life, because we're going to leave it inside of 100 years. And the other, what I would add to that too is, you know, when you talk about praying and praying, um, God does answer prayers. And I, I honestly think that the answer is all prayers. I think that we have to work to get to sell ourselves to a place where we can recognize his answer. And that comes through not only prayer, but listening to him because he speaks to us. And understand that the answer is not what we want. The answer is what he has decided, what he wants. And that's the thing. That's the big challenge. That's another big challenge because, like you said, we pray for an outcome, and sometimes we pray for a specific outcome. And we can't see that. And and I got to be honest with you. I also say this. Many times I have done that. As I've grown spiritually, I've done that. And then... The outcome has been totally different. And I can honestly say in front of all my audience, I'm so glad, I'm so blessed that the outcome was different. Because the outcome that, that, that God provided was not only so much better than anything I could have imagined, but it also saved me from so much peril along the way that my outcome would have caused what I asked for. Yeah. And so it is, that is faith. That is, that is really, and, and I think it also comes down to one of the things we try to have as human beings that we have to learn to, as they say, let go and let God. We believe, we have, we have this false sense of control. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, can't, can't argue with that. Yeah, and, and we have zero I, control. That's why I prefer driving to flying because it is, I have this false perceived sense of control. Yes, and it it, it really is. It really is. I mean, when you look at the, when you look at road accidents, even you realize you know I was better off in the plane, right? I mean, it, it's it's uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, you know, we have, but we have this need to control so much that we get caught up in it, and it, and it makes our lives actually more difficult, and it makes our journey uh, much harder because. I think the freedom comes with recognizing we have no control, recognizing that it's God's will, building that relationship with him, letting go and letting God, and just saying, you know, for the time, you can ask God, and I do it for two, I ask God for more time. I always ask God for a long, you know, longer life to achieve things that, you know, for my family, for my children, for others, but understanding that it's his will to grant it. That we don't, you know, there's nothing we can do, absolutely nothing we can do to change that outcome. And and I and I think I mentioned in one of those episodes, either with Jim or David, that I had a neighbor where I lived previously, and I would see the lady, I would hear her. I lived in an apartment building at the time, and she had a a I guess you call it short foot, so she wore a club shoe. You know, one shoe was had the, and you could he could hear it, and because of that, she pushed a cart, like a shopping cart, with her bags, and her door was pretty close to mine, so I could always hear when I was sitting in my living room when she was on her when she came home, 
And I distinctly remember sometime in December before Christmas, I heard her come in door because I think I remarked to myself, oh, she's, she's, she just got home. And then in early January, I saw her daughter and I said, hey, how are you? She goes, how's your mom? Said, she died. What do you mean she died? And her daughter said, basically, in November, she found she had cancer. In December, she was gone. And up to two weeks into December, she was still walking around. And I say that, you know, there's a lot lot of other things to go with that story, but I say that just to to sort of uh, add to what I was saying, to support what I was saying, that we have such little control. You know, they got this old saying, here today, gone tomorrow. We have such little control that if we want to find the beauty in this life that God has given us, I would tell people one of the beautiful things about my life right now is serving others. Is is in, in every way that you can, in any way that you can. And and I think my audience knows this because they understand that 247 Real Talk, this podcast that you're on tonight, is about helping others. Every guest that comes on here has something to share with others, to uplift them, to empower them, to help them, to let them know that they're not alone. Okay? I'm sure I've got audience members out there who are believers of God, and i sure I have members who are not. And I would say to all of my audience out there, whether you are or not, I'm not judging you, and I'm hoping you're not judging me, but at the end of the day, live your life doing something to help someone else. And along that journey, if you haven't met Christ yet, just maybe if you're open-minded enough, you will. And I think that's why God gave us the skills and the talents that we have. It's not just for us to just make a bunch of money for ourselves. It's God gave us these gifts in order to help others to minister to others, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And there are innumerable ways that we can use our gifts to meet other people's needs. And we can be, and I think there's a saying, you know, we might be the only Jesus that people see. Yeah. yeah, God God chooses to minister to people through other people. Yes. And granted that that is imperfect. you know, we often don't get it right, but you know, we have the honor of being used by God to do his work. And I think it is somewhat freeing to realize that we have no control, uh, even more so when we realize who is in control. Absolutely. God is sovereign. He is still on the throne. COVID did not take God by surprise. Neither did you know, 9-11 or any other tragedies that happened before. And this is not to make light of any of those things. People's hearts were broken every time something bad happens. And that is very real. But God is still sovereign. And he is still very much in control. And if his word is to be believed, he loves us like crazy. And I think that is and a... Go ahead. It's nice to have friends in high places. <laughs> and we've got the best friend in the highest place. Amen. 
And I think that is that I usually ask for a, your final thoughts, but I think we should drop the mic there because I think that was a, you know, the, an incredibly powerful closing statement. We've got the highest friend in the highest place. You know, there's not Amen. much more that can be said. Christopher, I want to thank you so much for being a guest in the show, for sharing your inspiration, for inspiring me to tell not only some, you know, some stories, but one that, or two of them that were really dear to me that I really kept to myself and didn't haven't shared publicly before. It is amazing when God brings two people together for a conversation where he says where two or three are gathered, he is present. He's there too. So Amen. thank you so much for being on the show. It has been an honor. And I pray that whatever he has for your journey next, it will be greater, bigger, more amazing than anything in your imagination can come up with. Thank you so much, Christopher. Thank you, Julian. The honor is mine. Thank you. I want to say a very, very special thank you to my guest, Mr. Christopher Boorman, for sharing his spiritual journey and his word with us. We can all learn to live together, to love together, and understand that we're here for a purpose. To lift each other up, to give, to serve, and to do all we can to make our lives better. I want to thank my audience as usual and all of my supporters. I remind you that you can listen to every episode of 247 Real Talk on your favorite podcast app. Or you can head over to the website at www.247realtalk.net. If you'd like to be a guest in the show, if you'd like to leave me a message, you can email me at podcast at 247realtalk.net. That's podcast at 247realtalk.net. As I say at the end of each of my shows, until we do this again, take care of yourselves and each other.